Some days life feels perfect, other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. Yo, it's crazy, amazing, we can turn our heart through the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable, hope can live or die. So speak twisted other days my thoughts just fall apart i do i don't i will i won't it's like i'm drowning in the deep well it's crazy to imagine words from my lips as the arms of compassion mountains crumble with every syllable hope you live or die so speak Trouble fall like rain when you speak life with the 
Good morning. God bless you. We welcome you today. You ready to praise the Lord? Amen. Let's give him praise today. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
every chain is broken through you, Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Every chain is broken through you, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Sing it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Every single
for your love. We thank you for freedom, God. The freedom will burn in our soul, God. Oh, 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 oh,
the prisoners go free that's you and me see you've boarded up your life you've thrown away the key but I'm opening the gates you can come right in <laughs> You can come right in, you can come right in, you've been prisoners of who you thought I was, you've been prisoners of wrong teaching, you've been prisoners of fear of what the devil can do, but I'm greater than he is. Don't be in fear today. Walk out of your prison. Walk out of your prison. If it's sickness, 
Walk right out of the prison Cause I'm opening the gates I'm opening the gates I'm opening the gates Don't stay there Walk on through Walk on through See what I've got for you You can't see it here You gotta go through the gate Go on through the gate And watch what I will do will be set free the captives will be set free freedom freedom every chain is broken every chain is broken followed this story but a few weeks ago up in New York a couple of prisoners escaped from a maximum security prison it was a very intricate plan they cut through their cells and they crawled through steam pipes and escaped through a manhole and there was a manhunt for over three weeks for some reason I was just fascinated with the story I just could not imagine I mean they had like 1200 Authorities searching for them. And I could not imagine being in a state where you had 1,200 people looking for you because you were wanted. And not in a good way. And as Pastor Virginia was sharing that word, the story came back to me. And, you know, they planned their own escape. And they're in prison, rightfully so. And they were murderers. But we, don't you know that every captive longs for freedom? And they planned their own escape. But you know what? God, he already planned your escape. And so many of us, we're not behind cells, but we're in chains. And when we plan our own escape, we feel like we're living our life on the run. And that's not really free. Those men were out of prison, but they were not really free. Because they were living on the run. Don't live your life on the run. Let God do go through God's plan of escape. And you know what? Jesus already served your time. So you don't have to serve your time. Come to him and you are immediately set free. If you walk through God's plan of escape. Man, that's a powerful word. And I, I just feel like there's someone here who you've tried it on your own way, in your own way to be set free from whatever's been holding you back, from whatever's held you captive. And there's, 
you feel like you're free from the prison cell, but man, you're still living your life on the run because you feel like the enemy's right there just to grab you and wrap you back up in chains. But God is telling you today, just through Pastor Virginia and through this word, that God has a plan of escape for you. He is unlocking the keys. He is breaking the chains. Walk through his plan of escape and don't live your life on the run. Live your life in true freedom. True freedom is yours. Jesus died for your true freedom. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him just for a few more minutes. Just cry out for freedom. God, we want freedom, freedom. The captives will be set free. The captives will be set free. You set me free. angels just close your eyes a moment in acts peter was in jail and the angels of the lord came and and they escorted him out i mean i I could see the angels just beginning to come and escort you out of those prison cells i i see him escorting you out of addictions and bondages i see him escorting you out of guilt and shame i see him escorting you out and it was like he woke up Peter. It was like, hey, come on. Come on. It's, it's already open for you to walk out. You just got to begin to walk out. You just got to step in the right place. You just got to begin to walk out. Just wake up and begin to walk out. Just come alive and begin to walk out. Begin to walk out. Just, just begin to walk out of those things. Walk out of those things. Begin to walk out of those things today. Today, leave it behind Some of you, your past has held you back for many, many years. And I heard the angel of the Lord saying, look, I'm going to touch them and we're going to walk out. We're going to walk out of that bondage. We're going to walk out of of those things in the past that have held you there. And you're going to begin to walk out. And, you know, Peter showed up and they were praying. The Bible says that they were they were praying as he was in jail. And and Peter showed up and he knocked on the door and the late girl come to the door and she looked at it was like, oh, it's Peter. She closed the door back. Just like it's Peter. And they're like, no, it's got to be some kind of premonition or something of him. There's no way that he can get out. 
And some of you have thought today that there's no way that you can get out. There's no way. God says, I got a way. And today is the day. And you begin to walk out. You begin to walk out. You begin to walk out. You, you begin to walk out because of what Jesus has done, because of the shed blood of the Lamb, because of the price that has been paid. You begin to walk out. Just 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 begin to walk out of those things today. When uh, Pastor Virginia gave her word a few minutes ago, I, I got uh, a verse in Matthew chapter 11, and I just was working in my head trying to figure out, well, why is... Is it, how does this particular passage actually fit? And is it a word for everybody or is it just a word for me? And I, uh, I looked up a portion of the, the passage and it's a word for everybody. Um, Matthew chapter 11, sermon 2. Uh, now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to him, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who do not, does not take offense at me. And what really stuck with me is that word offense. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. How does that fit? But in my heart, I knew I had to read part of that. And I looked up that word offense, and... In the Greek, it means shall not fall away. And I think the Lord wants to say, I've got a path of freedom for you. I've got a plan of freedom for you. I have given that freedom to others, and I want that for you as well. Don't run from me. Be humble. Let me reach out to you and gather you to me. Don't run from me. I just wanted to share something the Lord showed me a while ago. Um, what I did while ago running around this sanctuary is definitely not something I would have done on my own, believe me. But God showed me that me doing what he was prompting me to do was me stepping out in a freedom. When God prompts you to do something and you step out and you do that, that is giving you a freedom from that thing that you would say, I will never do that. I'm too nervous. I'm too scared. There is no way I would do that. You step out and you do that. And that is a freedom that God has given you. And that's one more step to another door that he's going to have for you to walk through. And in our prayer time this morning, we heard that the doors that, that was being seen was like the saloon doors where you just go through them with ease. It's not a work to go through them. So every time you step out and do something like I did this morning, that's another step of freedom toward another door that God has for me to go through. So no matter how scared you are, summon your courage up because the Lord's right there with you and step out and do what he's asking you to do because that's going to be another step and another step. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you to be bold. I want to pray for you to be able to step out. I want to pray for you to step out of where you're at into what God has for you. How about that? Step out of where you're at into what God has for you. 
And some of you might say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm in what God has for me. Then step into the fullness of what he has for you. So, Father, we thank you that today, we thank you that doors are open and we're going to begin to walk through them. We thank you that you've already set us up for victory. You've already set us up for success. You've already set us up that no matter how things look, no matter how difficult things might get, no matter how things may look as we see in the natural, we know that you are the super God and that you make super things, natural things happen in our lives. Father, we declare supernatural. I declare that the supernatural things of God, that you're going to walk out of the natural into the supernatural. Declare supernatural healing, supernatural restoration, supernatural deliverance right now. Just receive that right now. Just receive that. Say, I receive that. Just, I receive that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord some praise in the house. Amen? Hallelujah. Listen, get out of your... Hang on just a second. Susan's got something. Um, I love Chris Ballatin. I listen to him all the time. And um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he showed a dream that he experienced. And I wish I'd have heard this for myself. Sorry, I have to share somebody else's word. <laughs> um, it just blew me away. He said, every word, freedom. Freedom, wherever she is that heard that word, I've tried. You. <laughs> freedom. Every word from God is an invitation to an experience. Freedom. That's a word from God, and it's an invitation for you to experience freedom. So if you hear holy from God, it's not, it, when God says be holy, it's not Work yourself into a frenzy trying to be holy. God speaks holy to you, and you experience holy. Every word from God is an invitation to an experience. Let's receive that. Let's put your hands out like you receive. What are you hearing from God? It can be just that one word that we're experiencing. I know mine is peace and there's other strength and joy and and patience and happiness and and freedom just take that one word and experience that one word just experience that one word not just for the next moment but to experience it for a lifetime to be able to experience that right now just receive that experience that you have that God has for you you know he wants to us to experience him in his fullness just receive that right now. Just receive that right now. Thank you, Lord. We receive that right now. We receive that right now. We receive that right now. Just receive that. What is that word that he has for you? What's he speaking to you? Just listen a moment. Just listen a moment. It can be more than one word. It can be the door opening that I've heard this morning. It can be angels escorting you to a place in him. It could be stepping out of the natural into the supernatural. If you begin to see, like the scripture was in Matthew's, see the, 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 the eyes open, leopards being cleansed, the lame walking again. Maybe you feel like that you've been lame. Maybe it's time to walk again. Walk in that freedom. Thank you, Lord. I want to take a minute and I want to pray for the church around the world that's 
persecuted. We have a freedom that we can gather here today and we don't have to lock the doors. We don't have to post people outside to determine whether the police are going to come in or the government's going to come in and try to stop us from gathering together. But there are churches around the world, all around the world, that are not experiencing the freedoms that you and I have. So we just pray for those. We pray for those that, are, that have given their life, the martyrs that have given their life physically for you and for your word. We pray for those. God, we pray for those that, that have been tested in a way maybe we've not been tested. We pray health. We pray healing. I pray strength right now over their lives. We pray for the underground churches in China and India where if they're above ground, if they're seen, they're persecuted. I pray for the persecution that we receive just by standing in our faith or reading the Bible or standing on your word. God, I just speak a peace. I speak a shalom, a shalom of God, a shalom, a peace of God. Just just give them your peace. I know your word says precious is the death of one of your saints. It's precious because they've stood. They've not given up. They've not quit. They've not backed down. We pray for the, we pray and we thank God for our freedom. I thank God for that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody's received that. Say, I receive. Come on, say, I receive that. I receive that. Amen. Hey, listen, we want to welcome you to Living Word Fellowship Church. Why don't you get out of your seats, meet and greet somebody this morning. We're glad you're here today. God is setting some things free today. Amen. God is setting some things free.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. Well, if you'll go ahead and welcome that last person there. We are thankful for each one of you today sharing this Freedom Day, not only spiritually, but in our country. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. Well, I hope you all had a 4th of July yesterday. Saw lots of fireworks. We heard some. But I was asleep before they were going off. <laughs> I am an early to better. <laughs> all right. Well, this morning, uh, just a few announcements. Our kids are headed off for uh, church camp this morning here, well, at noon. So at the end of service, we're bringing them in to pray over them before they leave for Camp Victory. So we're excited about that, and we know God always does special things in their hearts as they go and worship together with other kids and and uh, just have some fun, too, because they do lots of fun things. Amen. Um, we've got the Back to School Bash coming up July the 25th from 11 to 1. Here's our donation little bucket here for um, the school supplies. If you could sponsor a child, $25. Uh, we want to specifically get the backpack at the school supplies for the school that they are attending. If you, uh, If that is a need in your life, then we have pre-registration forms there on the back to school bash table as you come in uh, this is something that we love doing because it's an opportunity to give back to our community amen and over 600 were blessed last year and i know the year before there was around that many or i know it's just a lot of people so you get to be blessed to be a blessing amen um We've got some other things down the line, but I know Pastor Eric hadn't talked to it, but just he leaves August the 15th for Africa. Um, it, it is their, isn't it their anniversary, 40th anniversary um, of Pastor Dion's church there in Abidjan, Ivory Coast of Africa. And he didn't get to go last year. It ended up getting canceled because there was, there was, a little yeah, safety issue going on. So um, all is well. But you know what the awesome thing is? Is from going from that to this, they blessed him with his plane ticket, which is not usual. When you go to a foreign country, it, you're usually paying your way to go. So um, they blessed him with his, with his plane ticket. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Especially I look at being a little bit war-torn last year to uh, blessing him with his ticket. So praise God. Amen. So uh, just be praying praying already in advance for that. Uh, he'll be gone for a couple of weeks right there. So amen. All right. Are you ready to give to the Lord? Well, stand your feet. And in fact, I'm not going to do that, Mike. So I'm just going to pray over the tithes and offerings this morning. Um, if you can sew in to Back to School Bash and sponsor any kids, then 
then go ahead and put your offering there in that. But we just want to honor this, the Lord this morning in, in our tithes and our offerings. And why do we give to the Lord? Because we love him. Because we worship him through our giving. So just like we worshiping worship him in our song to him, we wor- this is another form of worship. We worship him through coming to church. We worship him through blessing others. We, I mean, there's many ways of blessing the Lord and worshiping the Lord. But releasing what he's blessed us with is another form of worship. So this morning, um, I just want you to prepare your tithes and offerings, and I want to just speak a blessing over you and your offering. Amen. So, Father, we love you and we praise you, and we thank you that we can gather here today in your freedom, most of all and most importantly, God. We thank you, Father, that we have the freedom to give and to sow. Lord, because we love you, because we honor you, because we worship you through our giving. And this morning, I just speak a blessing over every family here today and every family that couldn't come today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, all things are possible. Come on, tell them all things are possible. You know, the Bible tells us all things are possible to him that believe. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something that that I think we needed to be reminded about, and some of us may not know. Um, a, A few, well, almost a month ago, I had the opportunity, and I was invited to Washington, D.C., I was invited to Washington, D.C. We went down there, went there on a Wednesday, and that Wednesday night, as soon as we flew in, we got in at 6 o'clock, there was myself and there was uh, about 24 other pastors from Oklahoma. There was over 2,000 pastors from the United States that ascended in Washington, D.C. And Shelly and I were talking about some things, and I said, you know, what we don't do is we don't teach a lot about the history of the United States. We don't really talk about how things were. And what we do is we get online and we read some secular uh, humanistic standpoint of how the United States was made or formed or what the people in the United States were like or the crafters of the independence. And, and um, we had the opportunity by, uh, by a guy by the name of Dr. Kenyon Kirtan. And he, he actually took us in to the Capitol. We got in on that Wednesday night. That Wednesday night, we, we automatically went down to the offices. We went to the Capitol that night. So at 9 o'clock at night, we're in the Capitol. And he's showing us these different things within the Capitol itself. And I was just, I was blown away by it. I was blown away by it. And I want you to know I, I'm a patriot. I believe in the United States of America. 
Got anybody else that believes in the United States of America? Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. Yeah, hallelujah. I believe that we're in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And um, I, I want to share just a little bit about when he went through it, and it was undeniable of how our nation was founded. But a lot of times we don't hear about that. And I, I had the opportunity to be able to have almost a two-hour walkthrough with him and some other pastors. So I'm going to try to give you in two hours, I mean, try to give you in the next 40 minutes what he gave in two hours. Amen? But here's what I want you to get if you, if you don't get anything else. You've got to understand that God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for the United States of America. Amen? You know, if, if you would look at the word Jerusalem, the USA is in the very middle of the word Jerusalem. So I believe that God just doesn't use the word Jerusalem by chance and us be in the very middle of that. Amen? So I want to take just a minute. I want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and I want to talk a little bit about America. Father, we just pray for the peace. We speak a shalom over Jerusalem right now, over the nation of Israel right now, and let your peace just come forth. Your peace that transcends all understanding will be upon that nation, will be upon the city of Jerusalem. We, we do this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm just going to have you sit back and let's take a look at a couple things. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the greatness of America. Psalms 33:12. it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's say it together. Ready? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So I want to begin with a question. Anybody like a little few questions? Why is America great? Why is America great? This is a question I think we need to look at and say, why is America great? Is it because the natural resources in America? Because there's other countries that have great natural resources. Why is America so blessed as a nation? Why is America so blessed as a country? Is it because there's people that are smart in America? Because there's a lot of smart people in the nations of the world. Would you agree to say the amen to that? What about hardworking people? Maybe you could say, well, you know, there's a lot of hardworking people. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. <laughs> there's a lot of hardworking people in America. Well, there's a lot of hardworking people in other nations also. And you might say, well, you know what? We're just a religious. We're religious people. Well, there's other religious people in other nations. So let me ask you another question. Because if we're going to ask why is America great, then why is this nation, above all nations, the most prosperous nation in the world? It has the most technology. It is the most advanced, the most compassionate, and the most free nation on the face of the earth at this time. This is America that we're talking about. So let's consider the fact of this. Let me give you this chart. If you'll see, you will see the USA in the yellow. It stands out. Consider the fact that America comprises of 4.5% of the world's population, but it commands 45% of the world's wealth. Excuse me, 40% of the world's wealth. America is the birthplace of inventions, and we're going to put some up. America is the birthplace of, of the telegraph. We are also the inventions of the telephone, if you look at that. Anybody, anybody remember that telephone? Yeah, yeah there's a few that, that are like, I remember that. We're not only the birthplace of the telephone, but what about the light bulb? Yeah, what about that? What about this? What about the airplane? Anybody remember? I'm from North Carolina, and they take, uh, they take credit over at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, for 
the, the being the first one for the airplane. How about the Internet? Did you know that the Internet was the birthplace? America was the one that developed the Internet. How about the, the GPS system? Anybody got a GPS system on their phone? Almost everybody's like, how about in their car? You got a GPS system. You know, it's the birthplace of inventions. So when we're talking about why America is such a great, blessed nation, we can see that the, the America has come up with so many great inventions like these. The America has also done this. Do you realize that when we go to war-torn countries, that America has freed people from tyranny? Did you know that we actually, next slide there, Mike, if you will, we, we are the most compassionate nation on the face of the earth. We've delivered more humanitarian aid to those who suffer than any other nation in the world. We're not a perfect nation. Do you know that? We're not a perfect nation. But America has been forced, has been a force of good in the world. And you know what? We are still a wonder in this world, and that's America. Somebody say praise God for America. So why? Well, let me ask you a question. Why is America so great? Well, I would, I would argue that America is so great because maybe for the most part, those who immigrated to America, those who are here and helped found this nation, they honored the God of the Bible. They honored the God of the Bible. That's why America, to me, is an exceptional, it's an exceptional nation. Even with all the current problems and still most of the, we are the most generous, prosperous, free, and God-blessed people on the face of the earth. So our mission this morning to you is to uncover the evidence so you can actually see how rich the spiritual, her spiritual heritage is and how deep of biblical faith we have for the United States of America, and also be able to see that in some of the people that helped shape America. Remember, it is under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. America is an exceptional nation. Yet to watch, the next slide, you know, if you're, sometimes you get your history, and sometimes you get your history from places, and they're secular places like this. If you look at the certain, certain places, they have an opinion of the founding forefathers. That opinion of the founding forefathers, if you see recent biographies, if you see lectures in colleges and universities, they will be, you're going to be confronted with this claim right here. They say that the founding forefathers were wealthy, slave-owning, sexual promiscuous, alcoholics who got their ideas from European enlightenment. Now, these men may have just used their religious jargon for the common good of the people, but they really didn't share their faith, and they didn't have a religious inclination. But if they did have, then it was towards deism, true or false. And a lot of times you hear that. So the question that I'm gonna, I want to ask you is, how in the world did such losers lay the foundation of the greatest nation on the face of the earth? See, we could, we could understand that there were 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, and I believe that they are this. They're all victims of identity theft. Uh, they're uh, victims of identity theft. I remember years ago when, when I was in my early 20s, somebody said, well, you know, uh, you know Benjamin Franklin, he was, he, he was a deist, and the truth was I didn't even know what a deist was. But it made me think that he wasn't Christian and he didn't have a Christian heritage, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, none of these men were, were perfect at all. Some were rich. Some were slave owners. But listen to this. 
many weren't. Many weren't. In fact, many of them opposed slavery. But were they deists? Were they deists? I want to look at a brief deist history. I want to be able to look at some of the men that, that may have say that because they did they believe in a detached deity? In other words, a deist is somebody that, that believes that there's a God and he's wound up the universe like a watch and he's just set it in motion and it's just going through it. Tick, 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 tick. And there's nothing you can do. There's no really reason to pray. There's no really to do anything at all because it's just, it's just going to go through and just, and just, that's deism. To where you don't, there's no reason for you to pray to God because it's just already done. It's finished. There's nothing you can do. It's, it's like a watch. It's just going to continue to click. The modern claim that we see is our founding fathers were not Christians. And has anybody heard that? No, they're not Christians or there was just one or two of them that might be. The painting by John Turnbull is a signing of the Declaration of Independence. Let's go back a couple. I want to look at that real quick. Go back another one right there. Another one. I want, to, I want to go back. There you go. There you go. Right there. This painting right here. They said it took place on August 2nd, 1776. And not all men in the picture actually signed the document. Because Robert Livingston, he was from New York and he was on a committee to draft the declaration. And he had to go back to office in New York and he didn't stay to sign the declaration. So it's representation. This is a representation of these men. Regardless, the men who voted on and later signed the document, they were not only declaring, listen, their independence of England, but they were also declaring their dependence on an almighty God. You're not going to hear that on one of the, the television stations. So how do we know that? Well, because when you look at the Declaration of Independence, it appeals to God no less than four times. These are the four right here that, that, are, that stick out. The laws of nature and nature's God. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Appealing to the supreme judge of the world for restitute of our intentions. How about this one? With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other. And he goes on. He says, here's what they pledge to each other. Their lives their fortunes, and the sacred honor. They pledge their lives, their fortunes, and the sacred honor. So there's a guy by the name of, you can, you can Google him if you want to. His name is Chesterton. And he described America as an only nation founded on a creed. The only one founded on a creed. He was an English writer. He was a theologian. He was a lot of different things. And he says this is the only nation that was founded on a creed. So where did the concept come from? That God is the one who rules the universe according to law. And that God created human beings equal with inherent rights. That God is the supreme judge of the world and God providentially intervenes on behalf of his people. Because we believe that God intervenes on behalf of his people. Can I get an amen? And it's not from European enlightenment. It's not from French philosophers such as Voltaire or Rossinou. Those concepts came from the Bible. So what about a study? Here's uh, some information about a study that I wanted to share with you. For the University of Houston by Donald S. Lutz and, and Dr. Charles Hyman, showing that 34% of the quotations from sources found in publications 
in the founding era came from the Bible over four times more than the next cited source. Go on to the next one. There was over 3,154 citations and references to sources. He goes on and says 34% came from the Bible. Now this, his, this that he wrote was the origins of the American Constitution. In other words, 34% of what is in the American Constitution came from the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. Let's go on to the, to the next one that's here. Deuteronomy is one of the most cited books in the Bible. And the last, the last point was Voltaire and those, there was less than 1% was in there. 34, 1, 34, 1. I'd say 34 is a greater percentage, wouldn't you? Okay, so the, you can say, well, you know what? The Declaration refer, re, references God a few times. Again, what about politicians today? Politicians today, even our president might reference God, may talk about Christianity. But does that really prove anything that our founding forefathers knew God and had a relationship with God? Well, the truth is, did they have a biblical faith? Let me, let me say this. What they did do and what they did say as a group, I heard recently, don't watch, don't listen to what necessarily what they say, but watch what their actions are. Okay? So let's take a few minutes and let's just step through some of these things and watch what their actions are. The Second Continental Congress, right here, they had uh, uh, this group, the group that we're going to talk about today. Their successors over a course of the eight-year war, they issued no less than 15 nationwide calls to prayer for thanksgiving or repentance. Not exactly the something an, an atheist not exactly something that an agnostic or even a deist would do, would you say? They also appointed paid chaplains. They appointed paid chaplains for themselves. They allocated money for military chaplains. And, you know, they paid the military chaplains $20 a month, and that's what they paid captains. I would say that what they were doing was important, wouldn't you? They had the congressional chaplains, William White and George Duffield, and some of you have heard of him. The review of Bible produced by Robert Etkin, and, the, and a, a Philadelphia printer is what he was, and who's described it as the neat addition of Holy Scripture for use of the schools. Hmm. <laughs> Whereupon they, here's what it said. The Congress acted in September, and this is what it said. It said, whereupon, this was September 12, 1782, they resolved that the United States in Congress assembled, highly approved the pious and laudable undertaking of Mr. Atkin and subservient to the interest of religion in this country, and they recommend this edition of the Bible to the inhabitants of the United States. So here is our government saying, oh, here's a Bible, and we recommend it to the inhabitants of the United States. And they went on and they said, I hereby authorize him to publish this recommendation in the manner in which he thinks to be proper. Wow. So Congress recommended, recommended a printing of the Bible to the American people. This is the truth today. Simply, were they pandering to their base? Were they people that they said, oh, they were just trying to let people think that they were Christians or talk a little bit about faith? What about them as individuals? So we can see as a group that they weren't just 
pandering to their base. This guy here, anybody remember John Hancock? Some of us have heard about John Hancock. You know, when I was a kid, the only thing I knew about John Hancock is he had an insurance company. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I would watch television and see the commercial of John Hancock, Hancock Insurance, you know, and then I realized that you know, he was actually part of our, our history. He was the president of Congress. He reportedly signed his name, the next one, look at this, he signed his name so bold and big because he wanted King George to be able to read his signature without King George having to use his spectacles. I like him. He's cool. He's cool. Did you know that he was the son of a preacher and he preached on occasion? On the anniversary of the Boston Massacre in March 15th of 1774, Hancock spoke from the pulpit of the Old South Church. This is what he said. He said, I have the most animating confidence that the present no noble struggle for liberty will terminate glorious for America. And let us play the man of God for our God and for our cities of our God. While we are using the means in our power, our power let us humbly commit our righteous cause to the great Lord of the universe who loveth righteousness and hateth iniquity. He's actually quoting scripture. That's Psalms 45, 7. And then as governor, look what he stated as governor. Hancock declared days of prayer as governor of Massachusetts. His proclamation on March 4, 1793 called people to a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. And that with true conviction of heart, we may confess our sins resolve to forsake them and implore the divine forgiveness. That's, that's me. I confess. I'm going to walk away from the, my sins. Are you with me? And I'm going to ask for divine forgiveness through the merits and the mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Wow. This is in the history of our government. How about another guy? Here's another guy that we talked about. Charles Thompson, he was the secretary of the Second Continental Congress. He produced an American edition of the Bible from the Greek. In other words, the Bible was originally the Old Testament. Look at me just a moment. The Old Testament was translated from the Hebrew to the Greek, and that's the Septuagint. You can go in, you can look at it, the Septuagint. That was translated from the Hebrew to the Greek. He translated the Greek to English. He translated the Old Testament. You know how long it took him? It took him 19 years. Now, here's somebody that took a 19-year project and translated it from the Greek, the Old Testament, into English, and it took him 19 years to do it. And you know what? When he finished the Old Testament, then he started translating it, the Greek, in the New Testament. That took him another year. So this man took 20 years of his life translating God's word. Do you think he thought that word was important? Yeah, he's devoted his life to it. Here's another one. Let's look at Charles Thompson. And um, there we are, yeah, Secretary of the Congress. He says this, he went on and he goes, the American edition of the Bible that he translated, it was a complete entire Bible. So he not only did the Old Testament we talked about and then the New Testament we've talked about. Next slide. What about the committee? There was a committee that was charged with drafting the Declaration. Did you know that? And this committee was five people. 
and these five people, and some of them you've heard about, some of them you know, some of them we're going to look at just really quickly, because there's more to them than what you hear from other sources. This committee here that, that promoted the scripture, the first one was, was um, Benjamin Franklin. And on July of 1776, he was appointed to the committee to draft the national seal. So let's go to the next slide. Here's the national seal. And you'd have to look real closely at that national seal. But he proposed this rendering, and it's of Moses lifting up his staff and dividing the Red Sea, and Pharaoh in his chariot overwhelmed by the waters, and having this motto, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Now, you got to understand, we were leaving Britain. We were setting out in the new land. Franklin was also stood in the midst of a contentious constitutional convention. And here's what he called. He called those to assemble and to return to God in prayer, lest they be like the builders of Babel. And he starts quoting Psalms 127.1. And he says this, Psalms 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. This is in the history. What about Thomas Jefferson? Anybody know about Tom, Tom Jefferson? He's a principal author of the Declaration of Independence. He has a famous letter proclaiming the wall of separation between church and state, which the courts, I might add, have used to say that we need to be separate. We need to separate God from government, Christ from culture, faith from public life. But that's not what he determined that it was for. It was really about protecting the church. Jefferson was raised in his Episcopalian. There's his history. But later in life, says he didn't believe in the deity of Christ. Yet he faithfully supported Christianity. In fact, let's take, take a look at some of his actions that he did as an elected official. As an elected official, he issued a day of thanksgiving and prayer in 1779. He agreed with legislation providing $300 to assist the said Kashkashkia tribe in the erection of a church and to provide annually for seven years $100 towards that support of a Catholic priest in 1803. Jefferson was, he was faithfully attended church services in the United States Capitol. And when he attended those services, guess what he did? He used the Marine Corps planned band in order to play worship. And then the church outgrew the old house chamber, which we were in when he was sharing all this information with us. And church services were established then at the Treasury. And then the War Department, which was under Jefferson's supervision, and later, church services were held in the Senate chamber, the Supreme Court chamber, and then other parts of the Capitol. So listen, maybe in sense, Thomas Jefferson was the one that began the multi-site church services. He was the first one to do that. So furthermore, we know that the Americans united for separation of church and state, they would be particularly troubled by President Jefferson's statement recorded by Reverend Ethan Allen. He says this right here. No nation has ever existed or been governed without religion, nor can be. The Christian religion is the best religion that has been given to man. And I, as chief magistrate of this nation, am bound to give it 
the sanction of my example. So the court's misrepresentation of Jefferson's wall between the separation of church and state is the biggest lie to the treated and is treated as law for this nation. He meant for that wall to be where it would protect the church from the state. And that's why they drafted the First Amendment. So that's where the First Amendment, the freedom of religion, that's where the First Amendment came from. So much of the biblically orthodox members of the Declaration Committee, we can see them. What about the other members? The ones that we looked at were the very least. So let's take a look at the other three real quick. John Adams, you've heard of. He was baptized by John Hancock's father. He became the nation's second president, and yet he also was referred to as a deist or agnostic or an atheist. How? Let's look at this real quick. I wanted to put this up right here. This is what he talks about this holiday. Let's go back to the last the slide before that. He talks about the holidays you guys just celebrated yesterday, right? That we're kind of really celebrating this whole weekend. He says the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts devoted to God Almighty. Next slide. It ought to be solemnized by prayed, excuse me, pomped and parade with shows and games and sports and guns and bells and bonfires and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward. Amen. And did you guys celebrate yesterday? Sure, we all, we all, we all celebrated. We celebrated it as a nation. But the question is, is was he a deist? Was he an atheist? Was he agnostic? I'm here to show you this. When he was a young man, he wrote this right here, an entry in his diary. And here's what it says. Suppose a nation in some distant religion should take the Bible for their only law book, and every member should regulate his conduct by the precepts that are exhibited. He goes on and says, what a utopia, what a paradise would this region be? He's already quoting that. Do you still believe that later in life, did he believe that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so he wasn't a deist, he wasn't an atheist, he wasn't an agnostic. Consider this letter to Thomas Jefferson that he wrote 40 years after he helped him draft and then sign the declaration. John Adams stated in this letter right here, I'm going to put it up for you. The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of everybody, of Christianity. Boy, that doesn't sound like to me that John Adams was a deist or an atheist or agnostic. What about Roger Sherman? He was another one. He was distinguished as the only founding father to sign all four major documents, the Articles of Association, 1774, the Declaration of Independence, 1776, the Articles of Confederation, 1777, and the Constitution of the United States in 1778. And he helped shape the First Amendment and First Federal Congress. As a member of the Whitehaven Congressional Church, 
Roger Sherman was asked to use his expertise in reviving the wording of their statement of faith. And he preached on occasion. One of his sermons, here was his title of one of his sermons. It was a short sermon on the duty of self-examination preparatory to receiving the Lord's Supper. He also served as a deacon. He also served as a treasurer. And he also served as a church clerk. Doesn't sound to me like an atheist or a deist to you. How about you? And then here's another one. Let's look at Robert Livingston real quick. Robert was one of the, another one of the Declaration Committee. He was a graduate of King's College, which was Columbia University today. Livingston helped draft but was unable to be present for the signing of the Declaration. Yet he was described as a sincere and devoted Christian. He later administered the oath of so the committee and that drafted the Declaration. At the very least, he had a biblical worldview and promoted Christianity in his public life. Now, here's one that I want to share with you real quickly, little known to a lot of people, and that's Reverend Dr. John Weatherspoon. Reverend Dr. John Weatherspoon. He was a little-known signer that we don't hear a whole lot about, but he was a Presbyterian pastor. He was an immigrant from Scotland. He came to America to assume the presidency of the New Jersey College, which later became Princeton University. Dr. Weatherstone became the only ordained minister to sign the Declaration of Independence. Perhaps Dr. Weatherspoon's greatest achievement was this. Let's look at these. He graduated 478 students who directly shaped America, including James Madison. Anybody heard of James Madison? It's not just a cake company or whatever, Dolly Madison. He was a U.S. president, a vice president, three U.S. Supreme Court justices, 37 judges, 10 cabinet members, 13 governors, 21 U.S. senators, 39 U.S. representatives, 114 pastors, nine of the 55 delegates to the Congregational or Constitutional um, uh, Convention. Consequently, Weatherspoon's biblical views were reflected in our Constitution through his students, especially regarding how fallen the nature of man necessitates and has the checks and balances in the government. Reverend Weatherspoon was a true patriot. He and his wife, Elizabeth, lost their son James to a battle in Germington in October 4th, 1777. And his wife died in 1789. He headed a committee of the New Jersey legislature and he assigned to abolish slavery within the state. Following John Weatherspoon's death in 1794, Vice President John Adams admired him, and this is what he says about him. He's a true son of liberty, so he was, but first he was a son of the cross. The life of Reverend Dr. John Weatherspoon is another lost episode in American history. Let's take a look at a few others real quick. I want to talk about Dr. Benjamin Rush. We'll just stay on this slide. Dr. Benjamin Rush in, in 1791, he was the signer of the Declaration founded by the First Day Society, which grew into today's Sunday schools. That's where it started. 
by Dr. Benjamin Rush. He also helped start America's first Bible society. Dr. Rush has openly declared his faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what he said. My only hope in salvation is the infinite, transcendent love of God manifested to the world by the death of his son upon the cross. Nothing but his blood washes away my sins. I rely on it exclusively. <laughs> he goes on and says, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Another signer, Francis Hopkinson. He was a church music director, a choir leader, and a co-editor of the 1767 hymnal, one of which purely was American hymnal. His work took 150 psalms, and he set them all to music so we could sing the psalms as King David did and had done for thousands of years before. Then there was Charles Carroll Carrollton. I think you see the three guys in the back um, standing. I think he's one of the, the men right, there, right in the very front. Charles Carroll Carrollton, the longest living signer of the Declaration. Charles Carroll of Carrollton, he was made famous recently by the movie National Treasure as having supposedly passed on the clues of the location of the treasure to the ancestors of Thomas Gates. Well, that's, that's the fiction. Here's the fact. He was the only Catholic signer of the Declaration, and he used his wealth to help build a house of worship. He professed this, On the mercy of my Redeemer, I rely for salvation and his merits, not by the works that I've done in the obedience to his precepts. Richard Stockton, we're almost done, is another signer of the Declaration which he says with a firm reliance upon the divine providence that we mutually pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Well, Richard Stockton had to put that to test. He was captured by the British, and he was subjected to harsh treatment, even though the Americans arranged for a prisoner exchange for him and his release. His health was broken. Knowing that his death was near, his last will and testament that contains strong language. Let's look at Richard Stockton's part of his last will and testament. He says this, I subscribe to the entire belief that the great and leading doctrines of the Christian religion, and I exhort that the course of life held up by the Christian system is calculated for the most complete happiness that can be enjoyed in mortal state. He said this, in spite of all the suffering, Christianity is the only way to make it through this life. The only way to make it through this life. One last guy. What about Samuel Adams? I thought, well, I know about Samuel Adams. He made this beer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, y'all. This is we're at church. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, there's Sam Adams has got a new flavor of beer out there. They don't even know what Sam Adams or who Sam Adams was. But Sam Adams, he grew up in a Christian home. He was a devout follower of Christ. The proof is in the fact that he entered Harvard at the age of 14, and he became a Puritan minister. <laughs> there he had learned from the great revivalist George Whitefield, and he preached in 1740. And that encounter made a lasting impact in his life and later in his career, 
Sam Adams became the governor of Massachusetts after serving as lieutenant governor alongside his friend, John Hancock. Several proclamations declaring a day of thanksgiving to God or a day of fasting and prayer. This is part of one that I'm going to read to you from March 20th, 1797. This is what he said. This is the history of our nation. Sam Adams said this. And as it is our duty to extend our wishes to the happiness of the great family of man, I conceive that we cannot better express ourselves than by humbly supplicating to the supreme ruler of the world that the rod of tyrants may be broken into pieces and the oppressed may be free, made free again, that the wars may cease in all the earth and that the confusions that are and have been among nations may be overruled by promoting and speedily bringing on the holy and happy period when the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, may be everywhere established and all people everywhere willingly bow to the scepter of him who is the Prince of Peace. This is in our history of our nation. So these founding fathers, I believe, are victims of identity theft. In their own words and deeds, we find that they were not deists, they were not agnostics, and they were not atheists. But if I could make the case that 53 of 56 were Orthodox Christians, even the remaining three had some sort of biblical worldview supported the Christian faith. One was a pastor, and several others were lay ministers, and you saw today that others were active in Christian service. About half the signers were educated in schools established for the purpose of training ministers for the gospel. What were the half of the founders doing by getting degrees in universities that were formed to promote the gospel? Well, you know, maybe they were doing opposite research. <laughs> but we know that. Not bad for a bunch of deists, not bad for a bunch of atheists, not bad for a bunch of agnostics because they weren't. These guys were believers and founders of Christ. Well, now you know the true identities of the men who declared their independence and their faith from Great Britain. They also declared their dependence on an almighty God. Their dependence on an almighty God. You can see it if you begin to start looking for it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see what our nation was founded on and the principles what of our nations is founded on, you can't unsee that. And there's a lot of people that just can't see it. Now we know why this nation is a great nation. It's because of the people, our founding forefathers, that led and drafted the Constitution, that led this nation. They honored God of the Bible. They honored him. They honored his word. The question is, is what will the next episode look like in American history? Will it be under God? And it's up to you. It's up to you. So as we begin to take a picture of the greatness of America, I believe the greatness only comes from those that have drafted and have made a foundation on Christianity. And what the world's trying to do is trying to say our nation wasn't founded on God, and that's not true. Our nation and our forefathers were founded on God. 
the principles were founded on God. 34% of the, of the language within the Constitution came from biblical references. That cannot be disproved, but it's always proven. We wanted to prove that today. So today, as you go and you think about Independence Day, you think about freedom. Freedom came with a price. Freedom came with a price. We have men and women that died for this nation to be free and to continue to be free. But you know what? The greatest freedom was that Jesus died for us. But he just didn't die. He rose again. He rose again. And he came for us to be set free. And as was prophesied earlier today, that freedom that you'll walk in. Will you step into some of that freedom today? Will you walk out of the past and into the future? Will you step into what God has for you? The greatest thing that you can do is understand what our nation was founded on and understand what Christ has done for us. What he's done for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's freedom. We can exercise our freedoms. We can exercise our freedoms. I'm going to have the kids come up in just a moment, but let me just pray for you very quickly today. God's done some tremendous things through worship this morning. What is it that you're ready to step out of? What is it that you're ready to walk out of? Just put your hand on your heart. You say, God, I'm going to step out of this area. I'm going to step into what you have. I was sharing with somebody this week. I said, you know, the rearview mirror is smaller than your windshield because you're only to glance back. You're only use that to glance back. Your past is not your future. When you look ahead, see what's ahead for you. See what's ahead for you. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We speak forth that you are blessed today. We speak forth that you're going to be able to walk out and walk into what God has for you. I hope that today was, was informative, but I hope it brought revelation of what we were founded upon and what the Constitution is about. Declaration of Independence. So, Father, we thank you that we are free and that we walk in freedom today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You guys come on up here just a minute. If you guys will just stand and just kind of point your hands to the altar. These guys are going to be leaving for camp today in just a little bit. And I just want to pray a blessing over them. Hayden, stand right over here next to him. I'm just going to, you guys, just let me, I'm just going to put my hand right over right here on your head. I'm going to ask the Lord just to bless you. You're going to have an awesome time. You guys are going to have a great time as you go forth, right? You're going to have a super time. You're going to have some fun. But you're also going to, I pray for an experience with God. I pray that he'll, you'll just experience his love in such a deep way. I pray that you have a plan and a future and a destiny right now. I thank you that days are going to be ahead for you and, and you're going to begin to look to the future. And God's going to be able to show you some great mighty things. I pray that you'll be able to hear the voice of God. You'll be able to be blessed. I pray a blessing that you just enjoy your time and that you experience God in a new and fresh way. 
I thank you, Father, that these men and women will just be just be brought into your plan and purpose and destiny for their lives. I ask you to keep them safe as they travel. I pray for all the sponsors that are going, Jason and Jessica and the girls that are also going with them. We ask you just to continue to strengthen them. Let it be a time of being rich and full in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise in the house today. Hallelujah. Kiddos are going to be leaving. They're loading up. They're headed out today. Listen, lift your hand to the Lord, and I declare a blessing over you. I declare peace over you. I declare strength over you. I declare God's provision just to be upon your life today. Expect some good things from God today. He's a good God, and all good things come from Him. Amen? And you receive it. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon in Him today. Go forth in His power and His might. God bless. Love again.